Welcome, dear listener, to Season 4, Episode 5 of Weekend at Crombies. Gird your loins and buckle your sword belt, for tonight we face Dragon Slayer. Welcome, dear listener, to Weekend at Crombies. I am Hugh. Somebody shot me, but I can still talk. <laughs> and I am Dr. James Evans Esquire. Did you bring any food with you? <laughs> Very good, for we are watching tonight the 1981 Dragon Slayer. These mm. fantasy, fantasy epic, I guess you'd call it. I you um, would, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's a, there's a lot to unpack there, and... Uh, Shall we get right into it? Shall we well, uh, why blaze don't we get, away? Let's blaze away, yes. Yeah. So Dragon Slayer, as you say, 1981. Um, it starts with um, a group of ramshackle um, travellers. Oh, no, yeah, it does, doesn't it? it does, yes. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> God. Can we, can we just say we'll begin with, with the Sorcerer? <laughs> yeah, okay. Because what yeah. you're describing oh, here yeah. is the credits. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Um, Ralph Richardson is playing Ulrich of Cragenmore, a, a very wizened sorcerer. He is, yeah, very quite wizened. powerful one too. He's, uh, he's, he's not only, you know, he can only do the, the big magic of blowing things up, but he's just casually using magic around the house, which is, I think is very cool. He like he flicks his hand and the lights dim, so you know, yeah. good on him. I mean, now if you've got like um, Apple Home, you can <laughs> do that pretty easily. But I suppose in the in the early Middle Ages, yeah. It, the early Middle Ages. I mean, the that's, Dark Ages. Yeah, that's the, the thing. Dark Ages. Yes. In it's, the it's, Dark Ages, that's probably more impressive. Yeah, it's very yeah. impressive. You've got Apple Home. I don't have Apple Home. <laughs> well, I don't. I, either, I have to stand actually. up and twiddle the knob like <laughs> yeah. a peasant. I mean, in fairness, I know Apple Home can do it. I don't have it, and I've never met anyone who has. So yeah. maybe it's not possible. So maybe Ulrich of Cragenmore deserves a bit more respect. <laughs> <laughs> However, he's a, Ulrich is a wizened old sorcerer, and he has a young apprentice, a fresh-faced gal. I've said Ralph Richardson plays Ulrich. It's, um, yeah, it's, Ralph Richardson. Um, yeah. British theatrical stalwart Ralph Richardson. Marvellous character, actually. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he is. He does, he does a good job there. And uh, Galen Bra- Bradwarden is his young <laughs> apprentice. Um, could he have a more American name? <laughs> he's played by Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol's first film, in fact. Um, oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's, yeah. Um, so he's he's got a young apprentice who's kind of fresh faced and uh, and eager to learn uh, Galen, and he's got this uh, rickety old butler um, Hodge. Hodge, played by Sidney yeah. Bromley, yeah, who 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 um, aficionados to Weekend at Crombies may recognise as one of the characters in Neverending Story. Um, he was never, the Neverending Story. The Neverending Neverending Story. Yeah, the the small man who takes in is it a Treyu? We've never done Neverending Story. No, I know we haven't. So it's just, just any, anyone who's seen Neverending Story, where they in a well, I, just, I feel like it's a, it's a Weekend at Crombies type film, isn't it? Or is it? Oh, I suppose it was really popular, wasn't it? It was a really popular film. Oh, okay. Well, all right. He was in You just Never wanted to get Neverending Story in there, didn't you? Oh, well, I do. Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, I did. I saw, for the first time last week, um, Air Force One. Oh, which, you, yeah, you're which not only surprised me, but surprised me that Wolfgang Peterson directed it, who has on his CV Das Boot, Neverending <laughs> Story, and Troy, and Air Force One. I know what a what a what an oeuvre that well, is. Well, what what ripe ground for Weekend at Crombies Two: The Legend of Crombies Gold? <laughs> well, maybe we are uh, giving a little bit too much away uh, at the moment 
for the 2022s. <laughs> but uh, should we get back to Dragon Slayer? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm cross. I'm cross marketing here. Literally, <laughs> every film I watch now is a potential yeah. weekend at Crombie's Two: The Legend of Crombie's Gold, which and... uh, incidentally, episode two will be coming out in June. <laughs> if you haven't already caught our first episode, we are reviewing David Fincher, um, classic films, one and all. That's, that, that, thank you for coming to my TED talk. That's Weekend at Crombie's Two: The Legend of Crombie's Gold. Available <laughs> on the very same channel where this one is, so if you, you, you really can't avoid it. Uh, so I don't need to market it at all. Well, you can avoid it in you the same way it. that you avoid this. <laughs> 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 However, this trio of sorcerers and apprentices and butlers are disturbed by some ragtag villagers uh, led by uh, a youngster uh, named Valerian um, who have come to plead with the sorcerer to come back all the way to their, their faraway kingdom and rid them of a dragon. They bring dragon artifacts, scales and tooths and uh, apparently this dragon is holding their kingdom under thrall and uh, and twice a year virgins are sacrificed this dragon that the, so the rest of the kingdom is left in peace. So the, the peasants aren't too happy about this so they want to bring Ulrich back and, um, and, and slay this dragon for them. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, Ul- Ulrich, being the wizened um, sorcerer he is, uh, tends not to accept visitors, but he but he does accept these because he's seen a vision, hasn't he? Seen a vision of his own death. He's good with scrying, looking into water. Yeah, yeah, um, and and in fact, yeah, there's a very poignant thing Ulrich says as examining the the scale, saying this dragon must be uh, so old, he must be in terrible pain, um, which yeah. is. Again, not not what we expect from somebody who's about to go and kill him, but nonetheless, so uh, they prepare for the journey. Although again, Galen is is very concerned that Ulrich doesn't have the strength to to do a journey of that uh, that um, distance. Uh, however, this uh, seems to be uh, solved pretty quickly um, <laughs> because as soon as they're they're heading off to uh, to on this journey, they're interrupted by more visitors from the same kingdom. Right. Uh, this is this is the king's guard led by uh, Tyrion. Um, Played by John Hallam, another English character actor. Yeah, um, it's, this this film is filled with English character actors or Scottish yeah. character actors. Yeah, we can say this. The supporting cast is is top notch. Yeah, know, it they, is. They, yeah, the theatres must have been emptied. This <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, Ty- Tyrion is um he he's not a big he, fan of the he, dragon. No, he's not. But he's the head of the royal guards, almost, isn't he? So he's he he's like the he's like the 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 king of Erlen's um, kind of army head. Yeah. So he's he's followed these guys to the to to Ulrich because uh, he knows what they're up to, and has basically said, "Look, we don't want you coming over here and stirring up trouble. If, if you know, we, I don't believe you can kill this dragon, and you'll just upset the the status quo. And I'm, my job is to preserve the status quo." Yeah. Um, and like you know, and Ralph Richardson, uh, Ulrich, basically just goes, "Okay, well, here's a little test for you. Have, have a dagger, stab me in the heart. Um, mm. You can't hurt me." Um, and so Tyrion duly obliges, and yeah. uh, Ulrich drops dead. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which I must say, is five minutes into the film, which is you know you might consider anticlimactic. So, yeah, a little bit. So Consider- Tyrion, considering yeah. that up until that point, Ralph Richardson has been lording it up on screen, so you think this is going to be fantastic, and then he's dead. <laughs> oh <laughs> man! <laughs> so, um, so Tyrion goes, "Okay, <laughs> goes yeah." Down. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Valerian sticks around long enough uh, so that Galen and Hodge can can mate um, Ulrich and put his ashes in a bag, and uh, and then Valerian goes back home as well, saying, "Oh God, well, that was <laughs> pointless." Yeah. Uh, however, um, as Galen is kind of packing up the things, the mysterious amulet keeps reappearing. This was um, Ulrich's amulet of power, a tiny little crystal yeah. thing. Um, and actually, what when um, when Ulrich was um, failing the test he obviously um has something up his sleeve because galen was asked to go and put the amulet <laughs> that he has in um 
take it inside and, and, and bring down one of the daggers. So he throws the dagger down and then he's locked in he's locked in the, the castle, isn't he, whilst all this goes on outside. <laughs> so um trying to trying to keep him away from the action. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Galen now having this amulet finds he has all sorts of magical powers as well. So he, um, he can float eggs. He can float eggs. Now, come on, there's that. Can you float an egg? <laughs> I can't. I can't float I can, an egg either. I can fry an egg. I can poach an egg. Oh, yes. I've got the Evans technique when it comes to poaching an egg. One day I'll tell you what that is, but it's worth it. <laughs> okay, I look forward to it. Um, so nonetheless, um, now, now he has It involves powers. nudity. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't really. It involves eggs. There you go. <laughs> The secrets of the Evans egg. <laughs> However, Galen, now empowered, uh, decides he is going to complete the quest that Ulrich could not. So he and Hodge um, packed up the bags and scamper after Valerian and her peasants. Um, and they, they offer their Hodge services. Hodge isn't massively happy about this, is he? Hodge isn't. Um, but Hodge generally grumbles. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a grumbler. He's, he's in that, um, that wonderful butler thing. of just not happy with anything. But they offer their services um, to the, the peasants and they, they're kind of accepted. Um, and the next morning, as, uh, as Valerian is taking a, a morning dip, uh, she's joined by Galen. I say she because though oh. Valerian has been posing as a boy all for all, I say all this time for 10 minutes. Um, as soon, <laughs> well, as, soon as Galen, life. yeah, her whole life, but for us, 10 <laughs> minutes. Um, Galen dives into the water, um, and underwater, he can kind of see that uh, Valerian is not, in fact, a boy, no. but is, in fact, a girl. Um, so there's a quite a bit a, risky a big for risk. a Disney film. It is a bit risky, but um, yeah, they're all they're all just naked in the pool. Uh, he he then very comedically just lets out and all his air, so he's like bubbles yeah. flare and he goes blah 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 blah. <laughs> um, and and Valerian again comes clean, saying that she has yeah. been living as a boy because that way she avoids the lottery of getting sacrificed to the dragon. Um, and that's about it. So they go, let's continue. So she she continues the disguise of the boy, and Valerian, Galen uh, doesn't say anything. And they make it all the way to the kingdom. There's a bit of you know walking over mountains and sailing in boats and what have you. Um, and they see the dragon's cave. Uh, Galen well, missed, missed a very important point here. Oh, Hodge. I do apologize. Hodge yes. is Hodge as, is as, stricken. Yeah. As they as they are as they are making their journey, they are still being stalked by Tyrion and his men, who decides he'll just shoot Hodge. So he gets his yeah. bow and shoots Hodge dead. Because they want they want the um they want Galen and Hodge not to go to Erland. It's never really explained why, but um, that, they, yeah. they say they don't want to stay out of trouble. But again, I don't know why they didn't shoot they Galen. Got a dragon. Well. Yeah, they didn't, shoot, <laughs> I mean, they, didn't, they didn't shoot Galen either. I don't know why no. they just shot Hodge. I thought jobs are good and I'm off home now. Yeah, because and you've um, already got trouble. You've already got trouble in Erland. It's a, it's a massive dragon. <laughs> no, no, everything, everything is sorted. They've got well, the system. The system works. You, well, right. maybe this is where we'll come on to some of the themes of the film. Indeed. <laughs> bit, but, so, so, yeah, so poor old Hodge <laughs> is shot. Um, and in his dying breath, he hands over the bag of uh, Ulrich's ashes, saying, you've got to throw these in the burning water. It's important. And then he's off. Um, so, yeah, now Hodge is dead, too. Um, so Galen's all on himself. They continue the long journey and make it fine to Erland. Whereupon they they see the dragon cave, so Galen wastes no time and calls down an avalanche, which which seals the cave. And there you go, job's done. He's killed yeah. the dragon, and everyone just takes it as read that the problem is solved. They and they have do, to, they have, don't question it, do they? And it's yeah. about twenty five minutes in, and, and you yeah. think, well, that's it, then, isn't it? <laughs> in fairness to the characters, they don't know it's twenty five minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, says the person who said for for ten for all of ten minutes we knew Valerian as a as a boy. We knew she was a boy, yes, but uh, okay. Let's... <laughs> I suppose, yes, all right. I'm getting I take confused. I take your point. I'm getting confused with characters and real life, the aren't The fourth I? wall remain where it is. 
Nevertheless, the villagers of Erland are very happy and they're having celebrations. And so confident are they that the dragon is gone that Valerian wears a dress for the first time. Yes. And, uh, and, and she's, she's looked on a bit awkwardly, as I imagine you would, someone who you thought was a boy now appeared as a girl. But Galen takes her into the dancing ring and she's immediately accepted by the villagers. So that's nice. It's quite liberal for the Dark Ages. Yeah, well, you know, who knows what they were thinking of the Dark Ages. I'm surprised, yeah, we'll come to the analysis why no one at all said, hang on, you've been cheating for all your life while yeah. the rest of us have had our heads on the chopping block. Yeah. Um, but we'll come to that. Yeah. Nonetheless, so, uh, the, so yep, yippee, dragon's gone. But again, who should turn up in the celebrations? Tyrion's back again. Um, so he's, uh, he's now the king wants to see Galen, who's apparently ridden of the dragon. So he's brought to see the king. Um, Cassiodorus Rex. Cassiodorus Rex. This is, uh, again, I'll, I'll, the, the name is an interesting one because he is given a, a Latin name, um, whereas everyone else is more like Saxon peasants. Yes. And that'd yeah. be, they were, even though this kind of has no resemblance to history, they wanted to pin it just after the Romans had gone, but uh, just yeah, before yeah. like knights came around and, and that kind of stuff. So it's it's the Dark Ages. It's kind of a transitional time. So pre-Christian, post-Roman, that kind of the darkest of the Dark Ages. Um, so which is quite a nice touch given him a Latin name because, again, he looks considerably posher than everyone else anyway. Being he does. King, he should be. Yeah. Uh, and they speak Latin too, they kind of, they, um, which only the sorcerers and the very posh do. So Cassiodorus um, kind of twigs immediately that Galen is just trying it's it fraud, on he's, isn't yeah, he? he's, he's, he's an apprentice who, who, who got lucky and he yeah. immediately nicks his magical amulet so galen has nothing so he's slapped around a bit and thrown in prison um, but he's also the, the king is also worried that because he realizes that galen is a bit of a fraud yeah. that actually all he's done is um bring on the wrath of the dragon um because he says that you know my brother tried to kill him and then all, all hell broke loose yeah, Cassidus has actually quite a good rationale. Yeah, his, he his brother, who was the king, got all his knights, tried to fight the dragon, yeah. all died. So he says, "Okay, well, we'll have a lottery, and you know, we sacrifice two of our kind, so the rest might live." I thought, well, that's that's a. I can't think of a more sensible way of approaching the situation. To be honest, I mean, yeah. not there is there is a drawback that only girls get. That's picked, exactly and only what virgins say, yeah. get. Picked. Yeah, notwithstanding that it yeah. is not it is not e- equitable. Yeah. But other than that, the the the, the method. Yeah. seems sensible Cassidorus slightly corrupt method of doing it but not a bad solution but either way um galen has come in and spoiled <laughs> the entire deal um so he's he's slapped around and thrown into prison where he befriends princess elspeth uh who mm-hmm. who's basically treats him as a curiosity because she speaks latin too and he does so she wants a companion um galen it's a little bit like this that could be galen or elspeth <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to pick my Michael's name is princess elspeth <laughs> um but yeah so um galen basically uh rather smugly informs her that um you've been immune from this lottery because you're rich you know the, the, the king's daughter and the privileged um don't go in the lottery and elspeth is quite Doesn't taken aback it, she, she she's Does quite convinced you know, she's quite convinced the righteous um yeah. and galen's are like everybody knows he when you say everybody knows galen has been told this by one person yeah that he's taken on complete trust in the kingdom <laughs> he's been in for two minutes um, yeah but everybody knows <laughs> um, and also the, the thing is how does everybody know Right, it's every, a, everyone it's would a, suspect. But it's no. a, oh, sure they would. They'd suspect, but it's a blind lottery. Yeah, I mean, if they've been doing it for quite some time, and you know, no one ever powerful got picked. But I don't know, you know, lotteries are random. They are exactly. And however, um, the reason yeah, we, anyway, we, we yeah. get confirmation on this because King Cassidorus has no poker face. So when right. Elspeth goes and asks him, he goes, "Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no." <laughs> so she, she I, I'm out. not going to let this. I'm not going to let this go leave. On, go go I'm not going to let this lie. Everybody that is in the lottery has never been picked. So, so, 
So where's your evidence? But you know where's what? your evidence, okay, um, I'm, okay. Galen? Well, again, it, 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 tell you what, this is adding on layers on layers. But, you know, what if the situation was that King Cassiodorus was using this as a method of political control? Maybe some of his enemies' daughters go in the pot. Go in there, some yeah. don't. So he's, 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 maybe it's widely known that if you're friendly to the king, you know, if you're a baron or a knight who, who toes the line, your daughter doesn't go in the pot. And if you're not, so it, it becomes, it's the common knowledge that no one can prove. Well, we don't know. We don't know whether um, wealthy virgin daughters haven't been slain by the dragon. We only know that Princess Elspeth hasn't. No, but, no, but Galen makes us up now. Galen is actually saying this to her. Yeah, he's saying yeah. the wealthy can buy their way out. So he's not only... Just, um, he's, because this is how rumours start. He's heard a bit of a rumour and he's yeah, already he embellishing it. Yeah, he is. And like, look what happens. Yeah. Well, the reaction, we've already seen one sacrifice uh, on the on the equinox to the dragon, have, yeah. and it's pretty scary stuff. We, again, we haven't really scary seen, stuff. We haven't really seen a Vermithrax, Vermithrax pejorative to give him his full name. So, yeah, so let's just be clear that the dragon is called Vermithrax pejorative. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so we've seen the sacrifice, and the sacrifice is a bit of a ritual. People go along. There's a whole yeah. reading of scrolls. Uh, the the virgin like is the all in, Yeah, um, they're they're all in white. She's chained to a, pe- a peg. Um, and so, again, the whole scene is is quite terrifying because we just hear the dragons roar and you see the brief flash of flame. And she's trying scale. to get out of the hooks, isn't she? Oh, so her God, she's pulling her wrist bloody yeah, to get out of the, the manacles. Nice. Yeah, it's horrible. She's terrified. She finally managed to get free and then Vermithax just kind of toys with her. She, you know, she runs for it and then we see her claws block her path and then another, yeah. and she's got nowhere to run and she's burned alive. Um, so we, we know Vermithax is not to be trifled with. Um, yeah. And then Galen comes... A Disney film. Brackets <laughs> Um, what were they doing in the early 80s? <laughs> and on, actually, again, tying in with Vermithrax not to be trifled with, um, it turns out it's not dead. Having having uh, having buried it alive, Vermithrax is now shaking the entire kingdom to its foundations. So It's annoyed, right? Yeah they've, she's got more, annoyed. yeah, they've got more trouble than they ever had before. Um, and there's there's a brief attempt to drive it back when they pick on a, a local monk, Brother Jacopus, played by Ian yeah. McDermott. Yeah, uh, who... i.e. I, I, the emperor. And then, do you know what? I bet he loves it when people do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Classical no actor Ian McDermott. Uh, you know, I'm sure that his role, it's like um, Michael Caine in Jaws 3D. Why did you take that role, Michael? Well, um, if you've seen the house in Barbados that it paid for, you'd understand. <laughs> <laughs> could, could, I give you, could I give you the exact quote as Michael oh, Caine? <laughs> I haven't seen Jaws 3, but I've seen the conservatory it bought and it's lovely. Is that what you said? Yes. Oh no! I didn't know that um, Michael Caine was German. <laughs> Not a lot of people know this. <laughs> anyway, Ian McDermott, yes, a uh, classical actor of many films, including we might add the Star Wars films, is is Brother Jacobus, and he tries to drive the demon back with with a power of his faith and gets eaten. Um, interestingly, he's he also burned the mind as well, didn't yeah. He? He's also clothed in white and possibly a virgin too. Um, so yeah, <laughs> he might be. He's, he's in with, with hair like his. <laughs> I don't think either one of us in a position to hair shame Ian McDermott. Like Keegan perm. <laughs> it was the early eighties. Of course, he had a Keegan perm. <laughs> yes, but I don't think that counts for like the eleven eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that Keegan perm vanishes as soon as it touches fire. There's a shot of when he's burned, and they just do a flash cut to a, a human figure with no hair, which just goes to show the hair just vumped. Which hair does? So it's very accurate. It's all the. Uh... <clears throat> It's all the uh, the hairspray in it to keep its, <laughs> to keep its volume. Went <laughs> <laughs> well, up like a Roman candle. 
anyway, rest in peace, Bojack. But his intentions were good. So he he's killed. So um, Vermithrax is killed again. Um, yeah. So they're in real trouble now. And um, so uh, Can we please refer to Vermithrax in in her full name, Vermithrax Pejorative. Thank you. Um, so Galen takes advantage of the confusion to get out. He escapes from his dungeon and runs back to um, Valerian's father, Simon, who is quite the blacksmith, and yes. asks him, can you forge me a really good weapon? It turns out Simon's already done that. He's uh, <laughs> forged a massive sphere called Dragon Slayer um, for the purpose of slaying the dragon. And uh, with a bit of magic to make the, you know, the blade even hotter and sharper, it now becomes a blade that can cut an anvil like butter. So it's a really yeah. good sphere. Um, he calls it, isn't it, Sicarius Dracorum? I do like the kind of little droppings of um, Latin in it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, however, while this is going on, um, the, the king has decided we'd better chuck another virgin into the cave in case it calms things down. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's it. It's like, this is not the equinox, we just want another one. Um, and of course, poor Valerian's in the mix now. She's, she came out too soon as a girl. So uh, she's, she's yeah, been she, the lottery. Yeah. Um, and I will say yeah, that the method of doing the lottery is wonderful because you can kind of tell the kingdom's been doing this for a while and they've become a bit weird about it because it's like this whole thing is with ceremony. Like they have this big mm-hmm. cauldron and they tip these tiles in and all the crowd, mostly like the old women who aren't in the, like they're going to kill oh, yeah. the old crones who aren't in the mix. They're like going, <laughs> stir the tiles, stir the tiles. <laughs> I say crones in the non-pejorative sense. Old women, of course. Yeah, so they, there's the maiden, the mothers, and the crones. So the, uh, they go and stir the tiles, and they stir the tiles. Pick the name! So they pick the name, and uh, the, the the poor Johnny's in charge of picking the name. Goes, it is Princess... Oh, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the king goes, just read the name. Uh, it's Princess Elspeth. <laughs> and the king uh, goes, oh, you've made a mistake. Let me yeah. read it. Oh, this name can't be read. Let's just destroy it. Let's pick another name. <laughs> um, so they've picked out Prince Elspeth's name, and the king is desperate to chuck it away and pick a new name. Um, but all the, the the women who are in the mix to be picked aren't too keen on this idea. Um, led, it must be said, by Valerian, who really doesn't have a lot of ground to stand on when she goes, it's not fair, you're cheating. Yeah. Uh, she gives, she's the loudest voice saying, let the name stand, let there be justice. <laughs> Everything's fair. Yeah. Like yeah. Everything wasn't fair for you until two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, she, they will they want to pick the name. So they pick another name and, oops, it's Princess Elspeth again. Princess Elspeth, um, we learn a few things about her. Firstly, she's incredibly principled. So oh, my God. She, and she, incredibly she, courageous. And, and let's not forget, she has access to make several hundred copies of tiles with her name on it in yes, secret. Yeah. How did that happen? It's not like she was getting a, 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 a photocopier. It's like all the tiles. I know, yeah. That's day. true, yeah. How did that well, happen? I, a bribery, surely. She had a tile cover. She, she had a tile cover working round the clock to get her <laughs> yeah. tiles on. In yeah, season. because the the announcement of the lottery was it was relatively quick. Yeah, she so, wouldn't yeah. have had a lot of time for that. So you know, props to Princess Elspeth. But yes, the main point is she is so principled. She would rather give her life than kind of live with the shame of having been spared yeah. the lottery all this time. So, uh, so in well, many ways, she's the true hero of the film. She's the she's the most moral of all, everyone. Oh, by some significant margin. And slightly mad, you might say, because you know, yes. she just put a name in this time and let chance take its take its course. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, if, if you're in a lottery, it's not really a lottery of all your names in there. But anyway, so um in fact so she then gets chained to the uh to the um, the fence. Um the ceremony is a bit quicker this time because the dragon is roaring. Yeah, so just yeah the priest. Like, I now to share the ceremony. Okay, we're go, and they all run off. Um, <laughs> it's quite a good scene because you can tell that he's absolutely terrified, and he keeps kind of looking. He's almost like looking at the camera, going, "Uh, do, well, can we go?" <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
so yes, but uh, before she can be consumed, uh, Galen appears dressed as a hero. He's got his massive spear. He's got a, a dragon scale shield to protect him from the fire, um, which has been made to him by um, Valerian with the, the helpful advice. It may work. It may not. <laughs> <laughs> Valerian is not encouraging. Generally, she's a bit of an Eeyore. Yeah. Um, but uh, so um, so he's ready to fight and he's about to free the princess and fight the dragon. But. First, there's a few problems. Elspeth doesn't want to be freed. She's quite keen to be sacrificed because <laughs> otherwise her gestures in vain. Yeah. And Tyrion is Selfish. also yeah. Tyrion is also He's quite there. keen this goes ahead because it preserves the order. It's an interesting point where the king is um is quite keen on basically you know getting getting her out of this and you know saying to Tyrion something you can do. And Tyrion's like, no, your highness, um, I I follow. I serve the kingdom, not you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my first, my first, um, my, my first kind of uh, loyalty is to the kingdom. Which is an interesting take on a guy who's basically just portrayed as a nasty villain. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so he he now will fight um, Galen to the death to stop him from interfering. And to be honest, your money will be on Tyrion because he he he's just oh, a warrior, gotcha. and Galen yeah. is a very small man with a big spear. And a hat yeah. Like uh, so after so Galen gets smacked around a bit, but um, Tyrion is not counted on how good the the Draconis Segoris is because it can drive through anything. So uh, Tyrion is. Or Tyrion is behind a, a, the sacrificial post, um, but Galen just runs it straight through the wood nice and done, himself. Yeah. So that's him. He's yeah. dead. Gone. Um, in the fight, uh, Prince Elspeth has been freed, and uh, Galen tells her to run, uh, which she does, but straight into the cave. <laughs> <laughs> so she's well keen on this sacrifice, and indeed is immediately sacrificed. So successful hear, in that. Yeah, we hear a scream. So she wasn't, you know, she wasn't uh, into it up to the point of death, but she is dead because after Galen creeps into the the, um, the cave, he finds her quite grotesquely being eaten. She's dead, but her, you know, she's quite noticed. She's quite recognisably as a princess, like these three dragonettes, which apparently you know, um, there's 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 three baby dragons in there, yeah. and they get her legs. Oh, there's a scene. It just eats her yeah, foot. Legs. It's, it's yeah. quite quite vivid. Brackets <laughs> open. Disney film. Brackets <laughs> closed. <laughs> However, uh, they are the three baby dragons are dispatched pretty pretty quickly. Um, Which I, again, I don't know about you, but given that dragons are f- pretty much immortal, certainly eternal and highly difficult to kill, all you really need to do to kill a baby dragon is take a stick with you. <laughs> really, well, the first two are killed with with the the the, you know, the magic spear. Yeah. The third one is killed by bopping him on the head a few times with a burning torch. Is that it? I mean, these things grow into some of the most fearsome mythical creatures ever to have graced literature. Nonetheless, uh, he's, he's <laughs> maybe I shouldn't compare Dragon Slayer's script to some of the finest literature. It's not quite Beowulf. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but Galen faces the dragon. I think this is where we get our first real shot of. Um, it takes its time to show you the dragon, but when really you do teases. see it, whew. oh my goodness, yeah, it's a, it's it's not like they didn't show it because they didn't have the goods. No, they they've got the goods. You out. Yeah, they were uh, teasing so you. Out. We see Vermithrax's uh, pejorative in in all her glory. She um, and what glory? Yeah, and she is just terrifying. Again, I I don't know how long we can wax lyrical about the dragon. It's probably for the analysis, but yeah. it's a damn good dragon. And it's <laughs> it is absolutely terrifying. It's breathing yeah. fire. It's crawling through the caves after him. Um, oh, he's, he's, his shield luckily does hold, so he's he's avoiding the fiery blast. But only Jane literally hears cowering behind the shield, and everything else is on fire as it as it flares around him. Yeah. Um, and again, he he gives it a few uh, jabs with his spear, but he doesn't make much progress. No. He manages to jab it into Vermithrax's neck, but it breaks off, and that's pretty much it. Now he uh, um, he, he manages to get out alive. And well, we found... don't really know how. No, other it... than he just 
State of the, the Shield. The next I'll... scene, he's is him just lying on the ground out, outside. I suppose Vermithrax had taken a poke in the in the in the neck and had gone home to lick her wounds. Well, one Maybe. thing we do notice is when Vermithrax sees um the dead the baby dragon, yes. visibly upset, which yeah. again we mentioned what a good dragon this is. It's it's unable to emote. It is it's possibly yes. better than Galen is. <laughs> one might say. Because <laughs> Galen spends most of the fight staring blankly up at what was doing the dragon. The well, dragon is giving it a good, good yeah. show. I did read that something like 30% of the budget of the film went on the dragon. Um, and I'm pretty sure Peter McNichol wasn't that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, we'll save money on the actors. Just get the dragon right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, so it's, get, yeah. yeah and, and fair enough. They fair did. enough. Yeah. That, that was 30% of the budget well spent. <laughs> it was. So, um, so Galen is getting kind of found on the mountainside um, by Valerian, a bit knackered and and in defeat. Um, and they just decide, oh, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, they do, didn't they? Although they've, they've now confessed their love for each other. Um, if, if I've felt I've skipped over that, it's because there was almost no love story to be had until they go, oh, and I love you. Oh, yeah, I love you too. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. That's nice then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but they decide, yeah, so they decide that... Um, there's no point hanging around this this dragon cursed kingdom. Let's just go. So they they decide to do just that. Um, and as they're they're bugging out, um, Galen is 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 inspired by seeing um, fire in the water. Oh yes, his mission to bring the ashes of Ulrich to the fiery water of the dragon. So Even though he, he's already been to this fiery lake, yeah, and just and didn't realise. Yeah, he's not the like brightest. An idiot. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this happens quite a few times in the sense that um, Ulrich Ulrich has to provide him with a vision of a place where he's already been. <laughs> and then there's a bit at the very end as well when when Ulrich says, you'll know when to do it. And he still has to tell him. Yes, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> we'll yeah. come to that. Oh, God, he's an idiot. Uh, Hodge should certainly be in charge of this. Hodge would have done a much yeah. better job. Oh, Hodge, yeah, he wouldn't have taken any nonsense. Yeah, if Galen had been shot and Hodge had made it with the ashes and the, uh, the amulet, this thing would have been solved in half an hour. <laughs> <clears throat> But uh, nonetheless, uh, so it Galen would have been Nat- a weird love story, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have taken it. I would have as well. Uh, so, so uh, Galen runs back into the fiery lake, scatters the ashes, and through some wonderfully magical effects, Ulrich appears. He has been resurrected, and the whole thing was some kind of three-dimensional chess game of Ulrich because he knew he didn't have the uh, the strength to make the long journey, so he had himself deliberately killed, cremated, put in a bag carried across the journey and resurrected on this this island so clever old ulrich that's when he reappears and goes you didn't bring any food with you did you (laughs) (laughs) which is a bit hungry yeah i'd go with that Uh, but now he's ready for the final battle this is it now this is not uh, galen mess around with this This is the real this is the final battle yeah so uh the skies the skies cloud over as uh, ulrich ascends the top of the mountain to take on um take on vermithrax pejorative and if you thought him crawling around a cave uh, and breathing fire was impressive. Oh, He's man. now taken to the skies. Yeah. It's an aerial battle with Vermithrax swooping through the clouds, breathing fire at Ulrich as he, yeah. he kind of takes it as a, <laughs> on the chin. Uh, and previously, Ulrich has now given his amulet back to Galen, saying, yeah, break this where you'll know when the time is ready. Yeah. Um, and it ends up, after dueling for several times, the dragon scoops up Ulrich in its claws. And you're quite right, it's Galen. It's obviously the time when he should smash the amulet. Yes. But no, he's still no. debating. He, he, he requires a mental signal from Ulrich saying, now is the time, Galen. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically any idiot with a rock would have sufficed. <laughs> so he smashes the amulet. Um, and, and then Ulrich goes up like he's been hit by an RPG. It's like a yeah. proper explosion, um, which which detonates, uh, kills Vermithrax, who descends to the earth. Um 
there's an actual Vermithrax carcass effect. There is. It's did. an impressive carcass as well, yeah. isn't it? With and, like, all the blood and the guts. Yeah. It's a nice little coda, isn't it? Well, the great thing is everyone turns up and kind of claims credit for it because yeah. the villagers have all converted to Christianity. Yeah, um, they so are. they they immediately go, oh, the Christian God has delivered us. Uh, Cassiodorus, King Cassiodorus turns up with a sword that he drives into the, the dead, be saying, I am Cassiodorus, <laughs> dragon slayer. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of tell this is what the, you know, the legend would have built. Saying, uh, you know, oh, remember, definitely. Cassiodorus slew yeah. the dragon because he put yeah. a sword into it. Yeah, exactly. Over um, centuries, it would be, yeah, the um, uh, Vermithrax and Cassiodorus. Because no one is mentioning Galen or, or Valerian. No. They're just standing no. there and the yeah. uh, the villagers aren't clocking them. <laughs> Cassiodorus doesn't clock them. They just have to go. So they literally, they continue their journey away from the village. Um, there's a fairly feeble joke where he goes, I wish I had a horse because he goes yes. you've, got, you've got no powers now no i don't wish i had a horse and the horse who escaped in act two turns up um and they start laughing and ride off and that's the end of the movie it is <laughs> which you might say is quite a bathotic ending because <laughs> you've gone from the dragon carcass to yeah. uh galen going <laughs> well i quite like i quite like the fact that the ending has cassiodorus as being hailed the dragon slayer i yeah, I quite, I quite like that. That would seem to be realistic, and what would ha- what would have happened if dragons were slayed and myths and legends oh, yeah. were born? I bet the king would rock up immediately with a sword. Oh yeah, well, absolutely, yeah, with a with like a yeoman behind by his side, shouting, "All hail, King Cassiodorus Rex, dragon slayer!" Yeah. But yeah, that was a nice touch. But with that ends the movie yeah. and so ends our recap. But I think there is much to analyse and we can find out why the film was chosen. Um, Indeed. Very interested. Join us after then. Welcome back. Wipe the dragon blood from your blade and wipe the soot from your cheeks. For we have, uh, we have killed the beast and emerged from the cave victorious. Let's discuss Dragon Slayer. And let's begin uh, by asking James, whose choice it was, why did you pick Dragon Slayer? Um, yeah, Dragon Slayer. Which I believe um, which breaks your tradition of going one, one decade per se. So well, what, what, what I mean, it breaks it, it breaks the tradition that I set last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, it's it's my choice, isn't it's it? It's not really tradition then, is it anymore? It's no, it's the not. the thing you did last year. It's the thing I did last year and I'm not really doing it now. Um, yeah, so Dragon Slayer. Um, it, it, I, would, I would say as a 10-year-old in the mid to late 80s, more specifically late 80s, <laughs> I wasn't 10 for four years, <laughs> um, I would probably have said that Dragon Slayer was the greatest film ever to have been made in the history of cinema. Um, it, I, it, I don't know what it was about it, but, but it, it just blew my socks off. And um, I loved the dragon effects um, and the sword and sorcery element of it. I love the fact that it was quite dark, but was still potentially borderline a children's film as odd as that sounds um and it wasn't too scary um it wasn't like a full-blown horror film you know it was something it was something that that bordered that slightly more edgy um and gruesome film but but was kind of couched in the myth and mystery of of the kind of medieval um and dark ages i was always fascinated by that kind of time as well when i was little i still am to a certain extent actually um and there's just something 
I found it really incredible. Just one of the first films I can remember seeing thinking, God, this looks incredible. And how did they, what the special effects in this look incredible? And I realized at the time that it was already about eight or nine years old because I wouldn't yeah. have seen it when yeah. it was released because I would have been like three. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I also appreciate that at that time, the special effects were probably, you know, being um, overshadowed by other things that were going on. But it didn't matter. I just thought they were fantastic. Um, so I think as a 10 year old, it was one of the greatest films I'd ever seen, if not my favorite film of all time. And I must have watched this film. like, Oh, God, I can't even imagine how many times. Loads and loads and loads. I remember I had a recording of it um, off the TV. Um, and so I didn't have the DVD, uh, the DVD, I didn't have the VHS of it. I had a, a, a just like a recording on like ITV or something. Uh, and that just, I wore it out. I think I just wore it out. Um, and I, I, I genuinely, I've not seen it probably since then. So it was at a point where I just stopped watching it and I just totally forgot, to, got, forgot about it. And I, I think I knew, um, as I got a bit older that it was, not a great success it was a box office flop i mean it made a loss quite a big loss actually it's quite a big budget film about 40 or 50 million dollars and it it didn't take that back um and although it had you know it, it it was nominated for a number of oscars for the score for the visual effects as you can imagine lost out to raiders of the lost ark i think on both occasions for yeah. that which is um, unfair which even is... though raiders raiders had a good effect they're not dragon slayer effects they're not. No, they're not Dragon Slayer effects. Yeah, it's interesting. But it's a better it? film. It's, it's a certain thing. It's, it's is, but yeah. yeah. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, I mean, look, look. You know, if you ask me now, is Dragon Slayer <laughs> the greatest film ever to have been made? The answer is, you know, demonstrably no, it isn't. But yeah. the, when I'm ten, it was right, and yeah. um, it's, it was, it's, it's, it's still the greatest dragon ever made. I'd stand by that. Oh, without doubt. Now, what's so? But we'll come on to that. There's a whole section on the dragon. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting that you, because you don't normally go back into the well to pick films that meant no. a lot in your childhood. That's my oeuvre. Yeah, it's, it, well, it's interesting because, um, again, I've got a very, I've got a very soft spot for Dragon Slayer because of that. And um, I mean, maybe, maybe this um, recording will be the exception. But I, whenever I've spoken to anyone that's watched it they've been really effusive about it and thought, wow, what a great film that was. Yeah. And they're, what they're probably doing is remembering something that they've seen about it. Usually yeah. the dragon yeah. in the past. And what I wanted to test was, is that how I'm remembering the film okay. with that nostalgic twinge to it or not? And I know that when I mentioned that this was going to be the film, you were, you obviously knew of the film. I think you said that you'd seen it, but it wasn't something I got the impression that it didn't hold the same place for you. Yes, this is interesting um, because uh, I'd either. Here's the thing. I may not have seen it all. I mm. think um, I, I saw it in the 80s as well when I was when I, when I was about 10. And I don't know if I got to the, the real Vermithrax. I think maybe I didn't make it that far. I was like on telly and it was, you know, mm. It wasn't a recording, so I just watched it as it was on, and I kind of wandered away from it because we'll come to again the reasons the reasons why. But uh, when I was very young, that kind of dark fantasy didn't really resonate with me. Mm. Um, either, like, the Dark Crystal was about as far as I went, but I, mm. I I liked fantasy films that were much more swashbuckling. Again, Krull is an example of something that is much more character and and action driven, mm. but with terrible special effects. <laughs> Whereas yeah. this is much more kind of like those dark castles, those flaming torches. Yeah. Those strong acting performances um and again the, the the themes 
whether they're successfully put in or not, are quite adult. The themes they of are. corruption yeah, and belief yeah. and this kind of stuff. So, as, again, as a 10-year-old, I, I would have been much happier with a straightforward thing about a guy taking on a dragon. So it, so I watched it, again, and I, I'm convinced I can't have seen it all the way through because I wouldn't have forgotten Vermithrax. No, uh, okay. so much. Yeah, that's, I think that's I probably made it, I, maybe I made it until the bit where the first virgin sacrificed, and I thought, I can't watch this anymore. So, yeah, okay. yeah I, I was aware of it, and I did know it, but I don't think I've seen it all. So this may have been my first full viewing of it. And it's interesting, you, you talk about the kind of quite complex themes about corruption, and I think belief is in there as well, and all yeah, this kind of yeah. stuff. And, and that, um, and the dark fantasy of the time, that that was just like catnip for me uh, when I was younger. You know, oh my God, just total catnip. Yeah. And actually, it's probably one of the, it's, it's as I've got older, it's, it's morphed into a love of horror a bit more, I think, yeah. than dark fantasy. But I do have a soft spot for kind of, late 70s early 80s kind of dark fan there was a bit of a trend you know with things like mm. dragons i think conan the barbarians another one um it's not good i don't think that's as i think that's a different yeah. film don't but get Excalibur's me wrong quite a good Excalibur's a good example of it yeah, if, i yeah. watched that a few years later and i really took to that so i think i just maybe saw dragon say at the wrong age wrong because wrong i was age, a bit yeah. too young and it put me off whereas excalibur has a lot of the similar kind of this more adult film in fact um and it's very john borman but it, it's, yeah, it is, yeah. it's 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 a great it's, film i think it, yeah i think it, it sits in the same same time zone almost the same, same time frames same aesthetic i think yeah. a little bit i mean i think excalibur's maybe slightly more extravagant in the context of what it's, it's trying to do in its yeah. set pieces but but i think dragon slayer is more of a special effects extravaganza but, but it's that low yeah. fantasy of, of you know, yeah the, the knights wade through mud and they get yeah. dirty and yeah, exactly. kind of stuff. the grubbiness of it all yeah. and um yeah, and, and you know, I I don't really I don't really do dark fantasy now at all. Actually, I I find it a bit childish and a bit yeah. immature. So I'm I'm not interested in things like Game of Thrones or the kind of resurgence of a lot of this stuff that's come out recently. I find it a bit, ironically, I find it pejorative in, in many ways, which is <laughs> which is interesting. But um, when I was younger, oh, I was I was well up for this. I used to read things like um you know choose your own adventure type books, oh, yeah, yeah. a lot of this stuff in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wasn't massively into things like Dungeons and Dragons, the board game, but I would, which is weird because you think I might have been, but I was when I was younger into um, games workshop stuff, less so now because I, I didn't have anyone to play it with. So I was interested in the design of the models and the, the lore, as in the L-O-R-E around it, Yeah. right? rather than the actual gaming which i know that you're much more into yeah um uh, so I, I so as i've got older i've kind of lost interest in it not to say that that's a, an adult or a child thing i just think my my interests and my focus moved into a different realm that i think that there are links and i can see the journey but they're just different films so i, I rarely engage with with dark fantasy in fact if i ever do engage with dark fantasy it's of this era yeah, in, I, I which in fact is where the, where the Games Workshop kind of um, would have come from. Had, had its inception. They, they began yeah. in the mid eighties, <clears throat> drawing on this kind of stuff in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I wanted it. And you know, it, if if it was if it was a nostalgic piece that was also incredibly successful and you know is is well regarded, it would probably be something like Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? So it wouldn't be a yeah, well, never story. It's a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the fact that Dragon Slayer is a bit, I think, unheralded and lost. And people know it if you know it, but it's yeah. not a, you know, it's not in the public consciousness, is it? No, again, the, the uh, I guess it resurfaced a few years ago, probably quite a few years ago now, when Guillermo del Toro was was um, paid yeah. to do the Hobbit films, and yeah. he cited um, he cited Maleficent the... from Sleeping Beauty dragon yeah. and this dragon as the two definitive movie dragons. Yeah, um, which only makes me think what would have had Guillermo del Toro dragon 
looked like. I'm guessing not quite as CGI'd as the one that ended no. up in the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly. And I, I think if you compare Vermithrax pejorative to Smaug, yeah, there's no competition, right? Despite well, the again, fact... there's, there's no competition because I can barely picture Smaug in my head. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. And yet you've got you've got 30 years of technological development and yeah. one of the biggest biggest budgets in Hollywood, yeah. and yet it's it's Vermithrax all day every day right <laughs> well this, this this is a good point to segue into it because we, we we should address the, uh, the the elephant in the room instead of the yeah. dragon because yeah. yeah it is again it's it's not only again the best dragon in movies there is and we freak him into to the wise and the house it's the yeah. best dragon there ever will be i think because i don't think in this age of cgi they're ever going to do this again and this no, they won't will the, they the, the, the practical effects and the yeah. the mocap and everything like that is what makes it so good it what makes yeah. it real and visceral yeah. and terrifying and, and do you think this do you think the effects still stand up because I, I think yeah, they yeah. do yeah I yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah so again um the effects used for it again the um they used a lot. They had like 16 different Vermithraxes and they had prosthetics yeah. that were the actual size and they did um, a version of, of um, stop motion animation called Go Motion. Go Motion, yeah. Which was used which... in Empire Strikes Back, I think. Yeah, first yeah. And again, I have realised that again with like the Rancor monster is probably the, the, the um, in Return of the Jedi is a good example of yes. it. Yes. You, you, because yeah. um, I love Harryhausen stuff, but when you see these two beasts, I mean, especially Vermithrax as he's crawling through yeah. the caves. And it's that's smooth as well, isn't it? It's smooth. smooth. Yeah, it's, it's the technology where they, they keep the thing moving as they go. So the basically the camera blurs in between movements, so it doesn't look so jerky, which yeah. it would have looked jerky had it been classical stop motion. Stop motion. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's that. But also, I mean, again, reading around it, they put a lot of work into working out how this dragon could look real. You know, he's got to have yeah. four limbs rather than six. He's got to have most of his weight on his shoulders because he's got to actually be able to fly. They yeah. looked at dinosaurs that could fly. Yeah, they looked, yeah um, so they looked at the kind of the, the, the archaeology of body body contours they looked at how you're right it, it wasn't just a it wasn't just a design piece it was a yeah. it was a morphologically accurate as, yeah. as, as a dragon as, as as accurate yeah. as a mythical beast can be they had to give him a rattlesnake draw rather than a, yeah. a, a, yeah. a, 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 a raptor one because it looked more like a duck and it's gonna stick as if it was yeah, a beak yeah. it would open and close so they gave him a, 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 a snake jaw because it looked more scary and yeah. more natural um yeah, i mean so, I, I would i'd go as far as to say that a lot of the a lot of the imagery of what we understand dragons to look like now yeah comes from vermithrax yeah well i don't know that again the before or the after of it no. um so e but either that is the case or they just looked at a lot of drawings of dragons and maybe we yeah. created it on film yeah I mean, yeah and i'm thinking now again there's pictures of like you know i've got an old hobbit book of the smog and when where was, if it was drawn after 81 then they copied vermithrax and if they mm. didn't then vermithrax was inspired by this picture yeah so it's that kind of stuff um that looks really cool but it's um I mean, I guess I mentioned now there's a big dragon on the Welsh flag that came from Vermithrax, and that's pretty. Oh yeah, that's true. But again, that actually has has four legs and two wings. That's not that's that's not not quite the same, is it? But it's um, yeah, it's it's all the stuff they put into it, and also, like I say, you can't do it in a CGI age because of the limitations. Because even with all that, they're still limited. They Mm. they work it very. You're teased a lot into how it's done. I think it's a really good decision, though. Oh, completely. Yeah, you wait a very long, you see very little of him. I think even the first one, yeah, you, you start to see claws, but yeah, it's mostly just roars and fire and the odd yeah. scaly bit. Yeah, and the then first the... time you see him properly is when it's in that, um, it's when uh, Galen goes to, in principle, rescue Princess Elspeth. 
Which is like an hour or something. It's oh, easy. It's, it's yeah. fairly near the end of the film. At which point, Vermithrax has attacked two or three times and eaten two yeah. people. Um, yeah. So there's, he's, he's been he's been active, or she's been active. I think actually it was established that the uh, the dragon was asexual. So I'm yeah, um, bounding between pronouns here. But yeah. Yeah, the, the dragon, uh, Vermithrax is Vermithrax. But um, yeah, so it's 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 presented in a fantastic way. And but then, having done all that, when it comes to the final battle, they hold nothing back. You see them fly. Yeah, it's the full, the full Vermithrax. Don't and it, it looks and good. It, the the it way they designed it, it's yeah. it's sleek, which should be sleek. So it looks like it could be aerodynamic. It's very yeah. well done. Well, what 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 I, I was reading that the the way that I think his name is Ken Ralston, the the, the designer of them. Um, yeah. The look of the dragon was saying that that the dragon has to be. When it's flying, it has to be in its natural in habit, its natural environment, yeah, yeah. because they fly. So when it's underground and on the ground, it, it's crawling. It's it looks a bit uncomfortable. It's not quite right. When it's in the sky, it has to s- sweep. It has to look graceful because that's what it does, and it really does. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I do think it's a, although I think it's absolutely the right decision to hold back on Vermithrax till near the end. It's a big risk, um, and the. The reason why I think it's a big risk is because I've seen so many horror films and fantasy films where you get glimpses of the monster only to be so disappointed when it's revealed that you just think, oh, was that it? And turns I don't out even to be an iguana dis- with oh, yeah. this glued onto it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, it doesn't, and it doesn't. I don't even necessarily mean the the design of of the monster itself, although that is a large part of it. It could be just just the the when when the things are revealed, it just loses its it oh, yeah. loses its it gets flat. Whereas in Dragon Slayer, when Vermithrax is revealed, it's the exact opposite. It's like your your breath is kind of taken away. You think, oh, whoa. Yeah. Well, I guess actually you said they took a chance with it. Well, they lost the attention of ten year old Hugh when he was watching it because if I'd yeah. if I'd arrived, I mean yeah. that's because again it, uh, if if I'd arrived and seen that, I'd have probably stuck with it. But you, it was the right call from a movie making point of view. I mean and the. I don't think they need disguise. The dragon is head and shoulders the best thing about this film, um, and is and is yeah. what will will be remembered long after the film is forgotten. Oh, is, and the, rightly the so. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, it's. But I, I would say you're right that the the dragon is by far the best thing about the film. I think that in general, though, the way that the special effects give the impression of sorcery is quite yes. good as well yes, so yes, yes. it's not just the dragon i think that the special effects are very cleverly done in the film so the bit where the amulet shines when um Ulrich is doing his spells in the castle there's like little green lights little flashes it's, it's subtle but it just it gives the impression of an insouciant magic that is yeah. just in the environment yeah and because these are practical effects too I, I only clocked once i kind of i was looking for the joints but i wasn't usually i was just taking in but things like when they pick up the amulet which is you know just a piece of glass and then they pick it up and it glows clearly they've they've done something where they've had to run a wire down the guy's arm yeah and, and, and a switch because it's actually glowing it's not they didn't do anything to that no. so there's um there, there's stuff there that they do and it looks seamless but clearly a lot of work has gone in because yeah. i just took it well it's just a magic amulet isn't it? it's glowing um, yes exactly there's yeah. work at that <laughs> And again, yeah. right with Ulrich in the castle, it begins with him. He's just pottering. He's pottering yeah, around his castle. Pottering, isn't he? um, he's speaking Latin. He's making his cauldron. And he just waves his hand and, and with, you know, he's got some gesture and the, the light's dim. And it's yeah. very good casual magic that just establishes him. And this guy is so good at magic. He doesn't, you know, like a wave a wand or chant yeah. to get it done. He, he just well, yeah, is magic. Yeah, you're right. And it, what it does, it sets, it sets the scene that basically says that magic in this time is part of the furniture 
yeah. right? People talk about it. People know about it. People are slightly scared of it, obviously, but it's not something that is um, not known about. It's part and parcel. It's, you know, it's part and parcel of the mystery of living in the dark ages, right? It's yes, the superstition. Yeah. It's the religious fervor. It's the magic, as it were, the sorcerers. And it's, uh, there's, there's, you mentioned the kind of quite a, moving point where Ulrich says you know the the age of the age of this dragon i know this dragon well the age of this dragon you know all 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 it'll be in is is pain and he talks about the fact that he says i'm glad that this is the last dragon i'm glad that this dragon is near the end because it means that sorcery is near the end or that magic is near the end as well so it brings it's almost bringing into the world a different age yeah which is shown by christianity is now spreading and kind of a not, I wouldn't call it rationality, but it's, no. it's something more organised, I guess. Yeah. More, more um, if, um, down to earth, more chthonic is, is is taking over. Even if it's spirituality, it's 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 a monotheism is taking over. Yeah. There's no more yeah. gods in so the waters the or the paganism mountains. Paganism isn't there anymore. <clears throat> kind of old yeah. English or British Isles kind of aspects. Also, say you know, obviously as a as a proud Welshman, Hugh Wales has never looked finer. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it's all shot on location. I was going to say the uh, I come back to the uh, the scenery and the cinematography. I kind of my note was it's got that windy mountain vibe of Dark Ages fantasy because yeah. <laughs> when you yeah. see characters kind of on a windswept mountain, the kind of their cloaks are flapping around. Again, it's um, it's 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 not that dirty it's not muddy no. but it's, it's, it's it you can feel them walking across the gravel or the uh yeah. it's it is um it's i guess if you compare to say lord of the rings which is it's all beautiful it's, the yeah. vistas yeah. are all lovely even when they're in the swamps the swamps are quite picturesque <laughs> yeah they're all like they're a painting brought to life this is much more down to earth it's oh. much more yeah. I would imagine it's what it's like visiting Wales. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you can't move for dragons and <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's just interesting you mentioned the guillermo del toro reference there though um matthew robbins the director of the film has subsequently gone on to work in creature design for guillermo del toro on a number of films including mimic and the shape of water wow. so uh, he was obviously so impressed with the work that was done on the film that um that's basically you know he is inspiration now so that's it it's, it's that's just a, a clever point yeah yeah right then so the yeah, I mean the dragon is is where it's at, I suppose. Really, yeah. um, a, a couple of other things for me that I I I I, um, I note about the film. Oh, and although you and I do agree with you when you say that the dragon is head and shoulders above everything else in the film and is the the best thing in about the film. I do agree with that. But there are some things that that are worth mentioning in mentioning in the context of it. I think Ralph Richardson is superb as Ulrich. I think he plays Ulrich as a i don't he plays him as you say as a wizened old sorcerer but i there's a there's a cheekiness or a witty kind of tongue-in-cheekness about him which i think works quite nicely as well he's seen it all he's been there he's done it um you know he goes and sends his apprentice basically to kill the dragon in the end right so he kind of knows what he's doing but the um so i I think ralph richardson is good I, i i think in terms of the the kind of the acting and stuff like that, Ralph Richardson is basically just, just where it's at. Everything else, everyone else is a little bit subpar. I think. I, I, I think, think one of the got, flo- you've got some good good roles again. Yeah, oh. I think King Cassidorus is good. Peter Eyre. Uh, yes, there. that's a fair point. I, I suppose what I'm thinking of really is that you've got the main character as yeah. Galen, played by Peter McNichol. Yes. Now I've got nothing against Peter McNichol, yes. um, but 
he's not the strongest lead character i was gonna say this is that um this this is where we, we get into the the drawbacks of the film because i agree the the kind of the classical actors in the supporting roles again john allen they're fine aren't they? Peter, they, yeah. they do and they do add something to it actually the yeah. uh, even you know ian mcdermott shout the dragon there's, there's yeah. a there's a there's a weight there that actually helps the film because when you even as good as the dragon is in terms of its practical effects, it's a, it's a fantastical tale that you need the characters to buy into. It's, you know, it's yeah. a sense, a, 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 not ridiculous, it's a, it's a, but it's a, it's a tale that you need people to, to treat seriously if you, if the audience are going to get to it yes. too. Yeah. Um, and I think probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest drawback of the film is that the lead is very miscast. Um, yeah. I think Peter Mackel is again, as you say, he's he's gone on to have a good career playing again, not these kind of roles. Playing, he plays more kind of oddball comedic roles, yeah, yeah. and he is just not good in this role at well, all. Well, I tend to I tend to think that he plays this role as oddball and comedic, even though it isn't an oddball yeah. or comedic. Well, I, I think it needs. Yeah, I I agree. I think the the role of Galen needs to be more serious. It needs to be more. Um. I don't know, more believable, more, you want to, you want more, someone you want to engage with a bit more. I want him to win, right? Yeah, you've, yeah. you've, you've got to like Galen and he's not played very likable. In fact, the, no. the first thing he does when he gets the power of of, um, of the master is humiliate Hodge for no good reason, really, and yeah. just declare that he's the master. And he's a bit of a, you know, he's, he's, whether he means, whether this is a deliberate choice, but his actor choice comes across, he's quite smug or yeah, conceited. Bit, when he, yeah, smug, moody and, yeah. Yeah, it, that, I, I, I don't think he works. I think that, um, you know, even, even when even like things are meant to be comedic, right? He tries to do a, a magic performance for the for the king, and he can't get the table to levitate, and he kind of like tries to wave it off. It doesn't come across as I'm on Galen's side now because he's doing a bit of an awkward thing. It's like right. oh for God's sake. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking in terms of like you know of, of contemporary casting, what's been done. Have you seen Lady Hawk with Matthew Broderick? Ah uh, yes. I think that kind of role, that kind of that young, if Matthew yeah, Broderick absolutely. could absolutely, it's yeah, someone who who's young enough to be the apprentice. You'd be on his side immediately. You could get him being a bit arrogant and cocky, but ultimately he has an earnestness to his performance yeah. that you you've think, nailed that. Yeah, you've hit yeah. the nail on the head. Good. It would have been great in this. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder whether whether it was a bit too early for him though. Eighty-one years, something like that. I mean, possibly. Maybe. But they, this is that kind of role. It's the I mean, principle, that, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, yeah. You, you want to yeah, cast. Yeah. They, I know they did. They wanted to go for the Apprentice. They didn't want like a, a muscle man, like a hero. No, because yeah, no, they, they were. That. That's they, fine. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the law of this kind of dark yeah. fantasy that's, that's the yeah, the, 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 yeah. yeah the, the, um, but he didn't he doesn't fit into it and he okay. he doesn't look like okay when he when he get, when he gears up to fight it just doesn't match it's not like he's the you know the young boy who's trying to be a hero he just looks like it's off and it doesn't help also again he doesn't have much chemistry with with caitlin clark who's valerian no. um yeah who, who i think is good in the film actually um i would uh, say it's not bad but not great yeah yeah, okay, I think that's fair. I, I did, I did. I mean, maybe it's because I know the film, but I'm just thinking to myself, she, she's obviously a woman. This, this, this is the point. I'll, actually, I'll come up to that in a bit. I'll, I'll, I'll last word on actually the two leads. I think yeah. they're the only two Americans, and yeah. because they've got everyone again, because you've got real classical actors in the mix, they, they're coming across. It's like when Very Americans American. read Shakespeare. It, it, yeah. it, it falls a bit flat. But yeah. let's let's come on to to, to yeah, Valerian's great uh, disguise because <laughs> you're right. Um, yeah. It's it's I, as a concept, you know, it's it could be like a big switch. If they'd cast if they'd cast someone else who was maybe a bit androgynous looking and and a switch, but Valerian never looks anything other than a young, attractive woman in a woolly hat. <laughs> yeah, I know. In her voice as well, she's just talking like a woman. I thought they'd dubbed her over. Oh, she was just speaking deep, or whatever. But yeah, um, and to, well, to come on to the broader point, what is the point of Valerian disguising himself as a boy? 
And I know, I know that the in-universe point is she's she's avoiding the lottery. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of the movie, there's a couple of directions where it makes sense for that to have happened, and they don't pick any of them. The first one is um, we she's not discovered for a little longer in the journey. So Galen yeah. and Valerian become friends, yeah. and then it's a surprise because at the moment Galen literally finds out she's a woman as soon as he meets her. So it's, there's nothing there. Like, oh, you're yeah. a woman in disguise. Yeah. And the other side of it is. Um, she's been deceiving the lottery so you think well when that's out should there be some massive fallback because this is a lottery where if you you'd imagine you break the rules there's consequences i had assumed because again i I, mckean got this far in the movie i assumed how it would end would be the king would be going well we've clearly got a cheat in the the crowd yeah valerian has not been in this lottery therefore as punishment she will be sacrificed Mm. and that's what drives the ending is valerian's on on the sacrificial Mm. post and galen has to remember what he's supposed to do get the ashes and fight the dragon and it's a ticking clock and none of that happens valerian is just around she avoids punishment she doesn't get picked in the lottery and she just basically hangs around galen until the film ends well and and actually yeah early uh, and you're right and it's a it's a distinct difference to earlier in the film where she has quite a lot of agency yeah whereas later in the film she doesn't do anything Yes, because she's she's the one who's apparently had the idea to go and get the sorcerer in the first place. Yeah, and she brings them all back. And yeah, it's um, I suppose they don't actually make the point that when she becomes a woman, she loses all ability to command anyone else. But yeah. um, but also again, there's no social repercussion. Again, no, there isn't, I would thought every every young woman in the village should really hate Valerian. Yeah, well, every every mother and father whose daughter had been sacrificed would surely yeah. hate Valerian and her father. Yeah. And indeed, they, they do leave the village. You think that maybe that was cut out, but there, there should be a social backlash. And like I said, the fact that when Valerian is at the front of the crowd shouting at Prince Elspeth, you deserve to be in the pot too, you've been cheating. <laughs> yeah. It's like anyone else can yeah. make that point. Pot, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Pot, kettle, black. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yes, you're right. She, she doesn't need to be a boy, does she? she well, the story could quite simply have been that she just hasn't been chosen yet. Yeah. Well, I think disguising a boy works if you do any of those points. Um, yeah. And and yeah. one thing, it's it's good to show, um, you know, the fact that she was disguised as a boy. How scared they are of being picked, and if it, there've been consequences that led to the plot. Because um, here's the other thing: is the fact that um, we'll come to the strange pacing. But when when things just seem to happen one after the other, and there's nothing particularly driving it, um, like. When when the princess Elspeth is going to be sacrificed, you think this is the point where Galen has to do his battle, but it's not. She's freed and then goes off immediately to be killed, and then he fights um, Vermithrax and comes back again, and then they decide, well, let's just go. And then he has the idea about the ashes, mm. but there's nothing driving that. The, the dragon is still around. There's no, like I said, there's no, no Valerian chain to a post, and if he doesn't do it in the next half hour, she's going to die. Um, he just does it, and the, the the plot continues on that way. So. It would make sense if Valerian was at stake, but she never is. She's never in danger any more than any of the no. else are because there's a dragon around. I, I do, yeah. Uh, and again, I'd, I'd agree with that because when I was watching the film, there were certain points where I was slightly befuddled by the editing in the film. So, um, and uh, I appreciate this is slightly different to what you're saying because um, that's about the pacing of the film a little bit as well, yeah. isn't it? Because I, th- I think the pacing of the film is a bit off in places. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of action in it, and when it's when it is full blown action, it's wow, that's brilliant. But there's also a lot of kind of non stuff happening as well. You think, well, there's no need for any of this. But um, the editing is odd. So there's the bit where Gaiden suddenly has got out of the cave, and he's just you know he's got a bit of a cut on his head. And you think, wow, yeah. how has he got out there? There's other things where the cutting is very sharp and jutty, and um, it will move from someone talking about something immediately to something else going on. Um, and I, I found that a bit discombobulating as well. So I'm not sure that the, 
I'm not sure that the direction of the film or the editing in the film is as good as it could be. And I think that hinders the storytelling a little bit in terms of, you know, thinking about how they get from one place to another. So as, as an example, and I know that this is just the start of the film, but they describe to Ulrich, um, so Valerian and, and the other villagers or people from, from Erland, they, they describe to, to Ulrich that they've come from this vastly uh, uh, far away land. But it it takes them about. I mean, I know I don't appreciate it's in the context of the film, but they they seem to get on a boat and cross a lake, and and then they're up, they're there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this was the journey that Ulrich couldn't face. Yeah, and I think well, you've got to make that a bit more um, just a bit more kind of hard, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you want you want them huddling in rainstorms or or, or climbing mountains or, or doing stuff yeah. that would, would tax so, a young yeah, body. So yeah, you know yeah. that Ulrich could not have possibly made it. Yeah, um, and the other thing you say, I think you know, Valerian dressing up as a boy to avoid the lottery it, it, it is something that I would have expected some kind of repercussions on. But what what I might also then have expected, perhaps, if she was doing it, maybe there was a pact in the village that girls were actually dressed up as boys, and so there was a dearth of girls. So what was happening? You know, it's that kind of I stuff as well. I can imagine that would look very Monty Python. As soon as oh, the yeah, it, it probably said, would. All, all, all the villagers take off their beards saying, oh, thank yeah. God for that. <laughs> Alternatively, of course, you know, just don't be a virgin. Which <laughs> seems like a much thing, more yeah. simple it's, it's, option. You'd imagine, yeah, if that if that was the way out, there, there would be a lot of promiscuity in that village. Like, sorry, can't do it. I can't help you. <laughs> Only had asked last week, but there was a party on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, you know, don't be a virgin or get eaten by a dragon. I'll but that's like. that's that's yeah, that's the um that's the the trope, isn't it? The uh, yeah, but but actually, yeah, but you're right. That's the trope, and they could have just you know they did sacrifice young maidens to the dragon. Yeah. But when but Valerian just kind of sits on a rock saying, "Oh, you know, I can't, I'm going to get fed to the dragon. I'm a girl now, and I'm a virgin." <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it was funny actually. Um, I mentioned Monty Python. I had to check. This is like six years after Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Holy Grail. which struck yeah. me as strange because Monty, this could seem like the Holy Grail could be such a huge send up of this film. It could be, couldn't it? Yeah, it could it's got be. The, it starts off with the blackness yeah. and the yeah. dark drums playing. And it's it's because the film takes itself so seriously. You think, how do they manage to, to keep a straight face after the Holy yeah. Grail? Kind of yeah, it's all true, those isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we, we've not. Is there anything else you wanted to, to reference about the film, whether whether good or ill? There's there's one thing I want to mention about what I like about it, and there's one thing I want to mention about what I think is slightly problematic. I actually think that the the thing I'm going to say is probably the biggest flaw I have with the film, okay. rather than um, the, the, the kind of Peter McNichol character per se, right? Yeah, well, um, I have one point um, go on. <clears throat> that, that is actually both a good and bad thing, is that yeah. there are a lot of ideas in the movie um, yeah there the, are the idea that again that, that christianity was rising from this superstition yeah. their terror of the dragon the fact that the king had a not you know slightly evil but not but quietly quite practical solution and he, yeah. he, he, he actually said look the dragon's old i figured we could do this for a couple of years and he'd die yeah. Yeah. um the, the fact that there was this lottery the fact that there was Frank, quite frankly, there's a mini series to be had out of the social order that has risen up around this dragon. The dragon is, in effect, the tyrant of the kingdom. Yeah. Isn't and it else called is Game of Thrones, though? Isn't it? I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah. it, isn't it? It no, took no. it took thirty five to forty years, but there it is. 
That's true. Actually, Game. <laughs> I'm probably doing it a disservice, but if Game of Thrones had had the kind of the complex situations risen around this, oh yeah, that's because true. Because again, you've got things like the lottery and the, the way out of it, and you'd yeah. think if Cassiodorus had the power of life or death over all the the daughters of the kingdom, he'd be very powerful because you know no no yeah. one would gain same. So all this stuff is there, but it is thrown in. It's it's there's this yeah. thing and then another thing. And again, I thought again the the Tyrion character, who I think is just put in there to be a mean guy. He's just be a, a mean guy. Yeah, He's yeah, absolutely. Up, but. Yeah. A, he's played quite well by John Hallam. He's, he's got yeah. a good, but also, apart from shooting Hodge, which was a bit random, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't do, anything do anything wrong. Because Galen says, "There's many reasons why I should kill you." Well, he stabbed Ulrich when all told him to, so yeah. that's that's not on him. Um, and he is basically protecting the kingdom in what he, from his perception, is the most effective and loyal. Because he's so loyal, he's yeah. not even the king is gainsaying him. He is down the line. This is yeah. the path I've got to take. Yeah, and that's is, incredibly yeah, yeah. interesting. It's but well, it's he's almost as principled as Elspeth. Yeah, exactly. He's Elspeth too's principality. So there's, there's a lot of really good tangible yeah, sub characters in this that, that, that could, that, yeah. yeah, could yeah, have. But Elspeth could have, has never, yeah, Elspeth yeah. has never played out. Tyrion is basically like the Biff Tannen character. He's there to be a bully and, and not really <laughs> flesh that either. Because imagine if Tyrion had gone on the dragon hunt with Galen. He had two people who hate each other yeah. trying to work together, and then he gets killed. But this kind of stuff, which so I was, I was kind of tantalized by it but it never played out and i was felt a bit let down by that so that was down by that, yeah. that yeah i think i'd agree with you and actually what you've done there is you've you've, you've probably got got to the point of more what i think is the biggest <laughs> flaw in the film which is the fact that i don't really know why anyone was so down on king cassiodorus really <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay uh, yeah notwithstanding his general cowardice and treachery i suppose but he's a king i mean like you know that's just what kings do he, he as you say he came up with what i think you know, notwithstanding that it wasn't equitable, but a reasonably logical solution to a, a long-term dragon problem, right? That he thought wouldn't last forever, and actually kept it. It, it balanced out the kingdom. Yeah. Right. And Tyrion um, was effectively trying to maintain the order that a group of villagers almost felt like what. The group of villagers are basically saying we need to risk everybody's life by killing the dragon. And it's just why just this seems like a really good solution. Expand it out, expand it out to men as well. And yeah. I think it's fair. Yeah, if it's fair, everyone takes the same chance. So again, yeah. if, it, if it is a true lottery, then um, it, it takes a chance. And the interesting thing is, again, why I say this is a seriousness. They then, you know, as Valerian's fetching around her, her dragon scale shield, she encounters the dragonets for the first time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that throws the thing into, into dispute because Cassidorus's plan yeah. is let's yeah, wait it, it out. Yeah. It turns out, no, there's going to be three no. dragons now and they're going to grow and then we're going to have a four dragon problem. Yeah. So all of a sudden it's like, well, does your system work now? And it's, it's questioning. But this information never gets out there. And so that's never challenged, which, again, yeah. is like, what would Cassidorus knew if his grand scheme didn't have an expiry date it was just going to yeah. go on and his yeah. children's children would inherit yeah. his because because he's what he's not doing cassiodorus isn't doing it for personal gain is he yeah it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's not like he's uh, it's not like he's getting money for it or, yeah. or but if or, he was or, that's again that's another interesting angle he didn't explore yeah, yeah exactly because it might sway him in saying well actually you know what we should continue doing the lottery but actually if he knew that there were three dragonettes in the cave he might then go mm, you know what you're right we need to kill the dragons but it's it's not it's not. Or if Tyrion knew that, or if Elspeth knew that, yeah. or if the characters yeah. who were throwing themselves yeah. into the dragon because yeah. they think this is just one last push and yeah, we'll exactly. get through it. 
And also, if Vermithrax is the last dragon, how have you, how are they, well, I don't know how I don't know how dragons procreate, to be honest. But huh? well, as, as, <laughs> I, I believe there was a, a tie-in novel that said they could they oh they couldn't do they couldn't do it asexually. I don't know. Well, you know the the, the dinosaurs managed in Jurassic Park, so you know life <laughs> so finds a way. They bud off. Maybe they bud off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but the, but the the problem with all of this is that any decisions that Galen, Valerian, and any, any of the villagers, or even Ulrich, make, you start to question. You say, well, why, why, do you, why are you doing this? Just, I almost wanted them to, to go, just hold on, hold on. You know, take, just stop for a minute. Think, think about this. This is a very sensible solution already in place. You don't need to do any of this. Yeah. Well, if None they do that, it'd be, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty short movie. It is, but to make the decision they're making, they need to have a better reason. This comes back to my point. If the better reason is Valerian is chained to the, the post, then, then Galen has reason, both yeah. a, a grand reason of saving the kingdom and a personal reason of saving Valerian that would inspire him to resurrect Ulrich. But at the moment they don't do that, they're literally leaving and they thought, hang on, there's one thing we, could, we haven't tried yet. And they go back. So there's, there's no, again, a, a good plot will pull together all the elements of what the character wants and needs into that final final showdown and in fact what does happen is ulrich is the one who has the final showdown with the dragon yes, right. as is proper because it's a great showdown but he's not been the person who's you know supposedly had this journey and actually i had the final thought too is um the smashing of the amulet um is necessary to rid the kingdom of the dragon that's you know they, they told mm-hmm. tie that in but it does mean that galen will no longer be a sorcerer it's made very clear that his power is from the amulet and it's borrowed power and when he smashes it he's normal and that's it um and that choice should be a very powerful choice for him. Yeah. He should feel yeah. do, can I do this? Maybe he's trying to find another way around it without destroying the amulet and Valerian's not ashamed partic- to- Yeah, but particularly is earlier in, early in the film he's giddy and drunk yeah. on his newfound magical powers, isn't yeah. he? He's yeah. loving it. Yeah, and so he, he does have to make the sacrifice but it's more like a practical one, like he's got no choice and all he's arguing with Valerian about is the timing. He's never... Yeah. He never tries to, I mean, again, imagine it had gone down like the Lord of the Rings thing and he snatches away and Valerian's wrestling out of his hands and there's yeah. a big fight as to who smashes it. That's, more, again, because that's, again, an- another thing that's not explored. He, that's almost like his journey, surely. That he goes from being a- an ambitious apprentice who can't wait to be powerful to being just an ordinary person who wants to mm. marry Valerian and gave up power to save the kingdom. But he doesn't. He just he smashes Amulet because Ulrich told him to, and that was how, he's basically used as a detonator. It's not like a he's not like a, a moment of moral choice, which again is is something that the plot. Because that's why I feel there's so many things going in the plot, and they never tied them off. They just like there's this thing, yeah. there's this thing, and there's this. Thing. Too much in there, isn't there? Yeah. And you know, I think um, a ten year old me watching this, all I'm going is, wow, look at that dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. It's eating her legs and stuff like that. Um, the final thing I wanted to say, which is a, a positive about the film as well. The, um, so when the um, when the film starts, there is this thunderingly menacing score by Peter North, um, which is really mesmeric, kind of all wind and drums and horn instruments. Um, and I, fi- I, f- I, f- I find particularly the, the very opening sequence where the horns come in and it's really evocative, quite spy, um, spellbinding. So for, for me, it's a kind of, it's that it's, if you, if you took the composition of that score out of Dragon Slayer, I think it would be quite a, 
I think it's quite an avant-garde score. It's quite an avant-garde piece of classical music, actually. Um, so I, 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 I'd kind of compare it to a bit of a combination of like John Williams and, say, Christoph Penderecki or someone like that. Um, and he was nominated for an Oscar for this, but lost out to um, Chariots of Fire, oh, which took the award. Um, Evangelis. <laughs> Evang- yeah, Evangelis, yeah. Now, interestingly, that opening sequence... Uh, that opening um, musical score was going to be the music used um, in the um, Dawn of Time sequence in 2001 A Space Odyssey with the monkeys, the first monkey to touch the monolith, as oh, it were. In the end, Kubrick went for no music, no no sound, um, and uh, dropped the Peter North score. So what Peter North did was rework it into Dragon Slayer, really interestingly. And actually, if I don't know if... okay. 2001 A Space Odyssey is known for its use of classical music, right? So the yeah. the, the Ligeti, the, um, the, the, the... Also Sprach. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, atmospheres and all this kind of stuff. Brilliant, brilliant soundtrack. But Peter North scored the film originally and Kubrick didn't like it and dropped it, <laughs> which is mad because um, Peter North is a, you know, Oscar winning... Yeah. Um, music composer but uh yeah kubrick, kubrick is was, nuts kubrick, yeah, kubrick <laughs> was yeah and there, you know kubrick was he holds no prisoners he was like nah this isn't for this film i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna do this instead and you know who, who you can't, you can't say he miscalled that <laughs> given, given that music can't. is one of the big things about no, 2001 absolutely but what i would say is that that opening score that opening musical piece is fantastic yeah. I, and it really sets the scene of that kind of dark fantasy so there yeah so that's that see i'm thinking yeah because um the Ralph Bashley Lord of the Rings, I think, also again dark fantasy that, that, yeah. that time yeah. period has the similar kind of grating horns and drum score. Yeah, but then I was thinking Excalibur made use of classical music once again, didn't it? They, they kind it of yeah. they they either go with that kind of the Celtic horns and the other stuff, or they they go for, I guess, an apocryphal classical for, music yeah. or not something. Yeah, and, no, no, yeah, uh, yeah, they do, don't they? they go for something. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Very good. Comments to make on Dragon Slayer. Well, I mean. We'll we'll probably come to this in the um in the scores I guess really but um without giving without giving the scores what I'm interested what I would like to know is um does the dragon compensate for the flaws of the film it, it's a rhetorical question well it's not a rhetorical it's an open question to leave for the scores I think yeah. because this is a film where I think a score might not be reflective of the film in its entirety i just don't know i'm not quite landed on what i'm going to give it interesting well then with on do we want again as we say we've mentioned other films i'm not sure i have any more to mention if you like dragon slayer would you like this one i mean we've gone through the dark fantasy of them in that um again we mentioned excalibur um the ralph bashley lord of the rings well Uh, i think there are there are a couple of so there are it's interesting that this is a Disney film, right? It's a co-production. <laughs> it's a co-production with Paramount, right? So, yeah. it's it's not solely Disney. The only other film that they did together was Popeye. So they didn't have great <laughs> success with their their um their uh, work together. Um, but in the early eighties or the late seventies and the early eighties, Disney did have a bit of a tendency to do kind of left field children's films. So I was thinking of like the Black Hole, just another one which is quite oh, dark yeah, yeah, in its yeah, yeah. in its kind of construction. It's a totally different film, don't get me wrong, but it's a, a Disney film which was a bit more adult in theme and yeah. um, a bit more challenging in the way that it was presented. So they obviously went through a little bit of a, a kind of maybe a, a personality kind of or you know 
um, change or shift. This um, is the era that the Black Cauldron came out in its cartoon Black era. Cauldron, absolutely, yeah, very, very, very similar as well in its kind of dark fantasy approach. Now, for me, it is very clearly obvious why Dragon Slayer was a success, uh, was a critical, uh, sorry, was a commercial failure. It, it's yes. totally clear that it is a film produced by Disney that isn't for children. Yes, and it's and it's a film produced by Disney that adults think is a children's film, so they don't go and watch it. Yeah, yeah. And so, who's watching it? Yeah, I think we've we've had this kind of similar thing before when yeah. Disney missed the mark with it. I mean, I think even adults, it's a hard sell. Um, I think again, with this, you know, fantasy was not as zeitgeisty as it is now. Yeah. It was it was quite niche in niche. the uh, I mean, even Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, the, the the ink was still wet on the first edition of there, so it's yeah. it's it's a very tough sell to get people into watching in the first place and i think unless you've got you know a really charismatic lead to carry it through that hour when you don't really see the dragon and then the dragon lands in with with a sweep i think you've got problems there funny if i'm talking about similar films um i've actually a film that was of a similar time i'm thinking films like hawk the slayer and especially hawk, krull yeah. um yeah. are also fantastical films in the 80s but almost the inverse of this because uh, i feel that krull has a very again charismatic cast and a mm. very strong story and wonderful performances it's but really rubbish effects. Effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah you, you marry those two together if krull had had this dragon or if this dragon had had some of the actors in krull um it, you could you've had something special but it, it's different because krull is very much you know it, it's it's in a different world but it's you know riders galloping on horses yeah. and beating all kinds of adventures yeah. going on a specific quest and it's much less this kind of earthiness they were going for in dragon slayer of it's just getting through it and you know, just getting through it yeah, yeah definitely yeah absolutely um what what is also quite astonishing about this as well is that um in, in the same way that uh films from the 70s and 80s seem to be um kind of certificated weirdly or they'll accept yes. certain things this was a you this was a you yeah so in the same way that say jaws was a pg right which is just incredible this was a you a you I'm, I'm, I'm more surprised at this than jaws because in this we see a human foot get eaten i know and it's and just there's see... a lot of there's a lot of threat in this it's a, this one threat this the woman rends her wrists bloody as she's terrified for her life to escape the dragon that then burns her alive. Can you imagine taking a three-year-old to see this? I It'd scar them for life. I cannot now again. It's interesting because I wonder what, you know, whether the when the boys would like this at some time. Because again, you wanna you want everyone needs to see Vermithrax pejorative uh, oh, at some point. Absolutely. But I'm trying to gauge the right age to them to watch it because yeah. it's it's not thirteen easy. maybe. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I'd, I'd rather they watch Predator before they saw this. <laughs> I mean, I watched it when I was when I I presume I was around ten. I mean, there might not be another piece in the puzzle of your psychology. That's another piece in the puzzle, yeah, is isn't it? Yeah. Well, this would have been another one of those things. And my mum and dad just put it on, and I'm just watching it like utterly terrified. And they come back like, "What's wrong?" And I've wet myself, and I'm just shaking. But I blocked it out. Did the Dragon Disney movie scare you? <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's insane, isn't it? That's utterly oh. bizarre. Yeah, very strange. So I think we've we've yeah. we've eked out the tension long enough. So shall yeah. we uh, shall we take a break and then we'll go and give it its scores. I'm Indeed. To find out. <laughs> Welcome back for one final flap and gust of hot air as we uh, come to the conclusion of the Dragon Slayer episode. And as tradition dictates, James, could you please give us your score? Yeah, well, 
it's fair to say that the 42-year-old James does not consider Dragon Slayer to be the greatest film ever to have been made. But I can still see what my 10-year-old self was thinking about when I would have made that decision. There is a, there is a spectacular element to the film. I enjoy its... And I still enjoy its myth and mystery, I suppose, to a certain extent. But... Um, I think as I've got older, I've realised that the thing that holds it all together is Vermithrax pejorative. And probably the only thing that holds it together is that and some of the special effects that surround it. But I can still understand where my 10 year old was coming from. And I can't let go of the film completely because of that. Um, If I'm honest with myself, it probably isn't a great film, but pejorative rises it to. Let me think. I'm going to give it a three, a three, three disembodied crombie heads. I'm teetering on a four, but I don't think the film isn't called Vermithrax pejorative <laughs> and it's not 90 minutes of Vermithrax pejorative. Yeah. Although Vermithrax pejorative certainly is where all of the stars go. Can, all you, of imagine, the disembodied can you imagine if, you know, if Ralph Richardson, if Ulrich had been the, the lead, in this, somehow they'd managed to yeah. get around the fact. Oh, it would have been if him yeah. talking to Vermifax, who you know understands him as a fellow being of magic does and understands his yeah. pain. Yeah. Is a there was a whole thing in there that wasn't because I only mentioned that I'm, I'm dipping into more analysis, but like um, Peter McNichol even says to the king, "You can't trade with dragons; you've got to kill them." And as soon yeah. as he hears about the dragons, he goes, "Well, I'll kill them too." And in fact, he's an incredibly you know he he has no nuance he, um, no, he doesn't. so but anyway well, that's, that's so, yeah, no but you're right you know th- th- i think this film has all of the component parts of a five star film yeah but it doesn't utilize them yeah so again, I'll, I'll cease putting the boot in and yeah. come to my score now. So that was the one last thing I, I, I suddenly occurred to me. And um the score I wrote down in my notes is the score I think I'm going to stick with. Yeah. Um for pretty much the same reason. I mean, there's the only one real reason to carry Dragon Slay in your heart, and that is the dragon is so fantastically realised. There's other good things too. Like I say, there's there's some good performances in there. The 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 way it went for you, you know, the cinematography, the way they shoot yeah. the clouds and the they climb the mountains and the dragons swoop into the clouds back to the dragon again. But you know, there, there's a, an aesthetic to it that is strong, um, and there are so many ideas, and the fact that they don't land. Because they weren't each one wasn't given enough time. They were culled like little dragonettes before they got big. But um, but there's you know it's it's too many ideas. It's not for they didn't they didn't put no effort into this. They put a lot in. It's just yeah. so many eggs in the pudding. Um, but but for that I think again um, the main actors let it down. The the plot lets it down and the themes are not realised. But for that said, you know, you're, you're not going to watch a film like this again. It's mm. a three star for me as well. Ah, very good. Yeah, for, it's one of those things. For all that, Vermithrax pejorative. <laughs> right? <laughs> we could have said that at the start, just saved yeah, the last hour. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But but yeah. what, we wouldn't have had as much fun. Absolutely. Well, 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 dear we listener, it. we made it, and the journey has nearly come to its end. We've just got to slay the dragon, and that metaphorical dragon is Hugh's choice for June. So it's a it is a change of tack, although okay. it, given it's a film from the nineties that, that no one has heard of, it's not that much a change of tack. But in June we shall be watching Speechless. Speechless, interesting. So join us then. Um, but until that time, now that the embers have cooled uh, and the uh, <laughs> the wings have folded, I wish you a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies. Good evening all. Wake and die.
There we go. I've got it now. I'm better. <laughs> my foot's gone to sleep. Oh dear. I'll play for the pain. <laughs> I told you my, my legs are ruined. <laughs> are you, are you sure, have you got deep vein thrombosis through running? Through running for three minutes, I have developed a chronic condition. Yes. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, if I make it to the podcast, maybe this is my last my last thoughts on this earth. <laughs>